Hello, this is Matt, and welcome to another edition of the Studio Rats podcast, episode number eight, hopefully going live on Monday, April 12th. I say hopefully because I've been having a bit of problems with uh, the server, and so hopefully I can get that sorted and get the files up on Monday. In this episode, I wanted to expand a bit on our discussion in the last episode about gear shootouts. I think it's time well spent to shoot out gear you already own, not only for discovering what gear sounds the best, but also from a workflow perspective. In other words, what gear gets you the desired sound quickly and with minimal fuss? Let's take a look at plugins because I know we're all using them. They are relatively inexpensive, and if you are like me, you probably have a hard drive full of them. A slew of them probably came bundled with whatever DAW you're using, and some of them you've no doubt purchased. I can't tell you how many inexpensive or on-sale plugins I've purchased over the years because they seemed cool at the time, but now I don't have a use for them at all. So I was wondering, why is that? And I think it comes down to two factors. One, sound quality, and two, usability. In my own work, I find myself reaching for a handful of plugins time and time again. What I've come to realize is that these plugins have very simple user interfaces with a few well-thought-out controls, and they sound great. These plugins make it really easy to dial in the right sound quickly. Sure, sometimes it is nice to have a gazillion parameters to tweak, especially if it helps you achieve that elusive sound, but many times this extra tweaking can break the creative flow. And I think an important part of music production is about production, actually getting things done. And if you think about it, much of the classic recording hardware had very simple controls. The Teletronic LA-2A and the Universal Audio 1176 immediately come to mind. I've got a couple of real-world examples for you. On a whim, I recently dusted off my old Lexicon MPX-1 and have started using it on some mixes. Why? Because it's really easy to dial in great-sounding reverbs. There are only a handful of parameters to adjust, and to me, at least, the Lexicon reverb algorithms sound great and they sit really well in a mix. I just wish I had an extra 1500 bucks so I could buy their PCM Native Reverb plug-in bundle. As another example, I've been searching for a good delay plug-in for a couple of years. The delays included with Logic, I think there's at least four of them, just didn't do it for me. I've tried a number of delay plug-ins from other manufacturers, all promising to sound warm, analog, or like tape, but all of them have fallen short. They just never seem to integrate into a mix as well as I think they should. Anyway, this all changed when I tried the Sound Toys Echo Boy plugin. Wow, this was the sound I had been looking for. I didn't even have to do any A-B comparisons because I knew from previous experience that the delay plugins I already owned could not achieve that sound. And guess what? The controls on the Echo Boy are relatively simple, and they do what you would expect. Yes, you can dig down a little deeper to some hidden parameters, but all the basic stuff is right where you need it. I also have a handful of favorite compressor and EQ plugins. Because I've spent quite a bit of time comparing them, I know which ones work best on which instruments and the tone that each imparts on the signal. I can quickly pick the right one for the job at hand. This enhances my workflow and allows me to get the sounds I'm looking for quickly and efficiently. I would encourage you to do some critical listening to your own plugins. For something as commonplace as an EQ plugin, I think you'll be amazed at how different they can sound. You might find yourself reaching for one EQ for the kick drum and another for the vocals. Bottom line, learning your gear, both software and hardware, is a great way to improve your projects. 
and you might save yourself a few bucks when you realize the stuff you already own works the way you want it to and sounds good as well. Before I wrap up this episode, I did want to bring your guys' attention to an article that I read on the Music Think Tank blog recently. This would be more directed to you guys that have bands, but they posted an article entitled 10 Pieces of Essential Content for Your Band's Website. The article includes some really great advice, but I wanted to kind of highlight one specific area. Number five on their list is a way to showcase your music. I admit this is a pet peeve of mine, but I cannot tell you how many band websites I've gone to, and there is no link that says music. I mean, you're a band, you produce music, at least I hope so. A lot of times there'll be like a link for media or for videos. It's like, I don't want any of that stuff. I want to listen to your music. So I'm going to amend their article and and maybe make it 11 essential items and say, make sure you have a link that says music. If you have any questions or comments, feel free to post them at finleysound.com slash blog, at facebook.com slash finleysound, or via email to podcast at finleysound.com. Thanks for listening and see you next time.